My name is Tom Chick, and you're listening. Did you like that, Jason McMaster? I did. <laughs> I did. Uh, Jason McMaster, do you know what that music is from? I do not. Not off the top of my head. Okay, well, I'm about to tell you in a minute. But first, let me tell the folks, this is the Quarter to Three Games podcast with a slightly different format that we're going to fiddle around with. I am Tom Chick, and I am joined by Jason L. McMaster out of uh, Ohio. Did I get that right? Yes. Uh, we are coming to you on the second day of summer. Is it nice and seasonable out there, Jason? Oh, yeah, actually. It's about 85 today, so <laughs> quite seasonable. <laughs> that's, that's, that's small potatoes. Uh, the cool thing about summer, I have a neighbor who brings over a big old bag of, like, plums, apricots, and peaches, and they're, they're totally in season now. So if anybody listening needs some plums, apricots, you can't have the peaches. Those are all mine. But if you want plums or apricots, let me know. Uh, my neighborhood has, has plenty of them. Uh, I always wondered why they called you Peaches. Hey, now. <laughs> hey <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to come up with a nickname for you then, McMaster. Stand by. I'll be, I'll be trial ballooning a few things over the course of the podcast, if you don't mind. All right, yeah, let's see what sticks. Uh, all right, so this format, Jason McMaster, why don't you explain to the folks what we're going to do with this format? What, what three things are they going to hear from each of us today? Well, Mr. Chick, <laughs> the first thing we, uh, we will be discussing is the news. We'll both be bringing a news story to the table and having a quick discussion about that and how it pertains to you. Good. Next up, we have popular posts or the post we like the most on Quarter to Three Games Forum or a thread. We can, you know, we can do either or. It's ah. our show. Well, and by the way, when you mention a thread, it always starts with a single post. So there you go. Exactly. And then finally, we'll pick a game for the week, each of us, and we'll discuss that game, and then we'll send you on your merry way. Now, the game of the week will be a high honor. We are hoping that eventually uh, certain games will feature little stickers on the front of the box that say, Quarter to Three Games Podcast Game of the Week. Uh, that's, that's what we're gunning for. So, starting us out with our news story of the week, uh, Jason McMaster, let's do rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first. Are you ready? Yes. On three. One, two, three. Ah, you got me. Good work. Yeah, I know. I've always been really good at rock, paper, scissors. Man, I can tell. You seem like you've trained. Uh, All right, McMaster, what is your news story of the week? Um, Jim Redner needs to calm down. Oh, that poor guy. I know, right? He He needs to stop talking. Tell us what happened. Well, Jim Redner, who represents Duke Nukem Forever, which Mm -hmm. is really bad, was reading some of the reviews. He got really upset and tweeted that he was going to to basically not send review copies to people that reviewed his game harshly. That's a big no-no. Do you by any chance have the text of the tweet there? Could Could you read it for us by any chance? Let me see if I could find that real quick. And by the way, I just want to point out to folks listening while, while Jason's doing his research work, uh, McMaster, you and I have both uh, reviewed, you're in the process of reviewing Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, I think it's fair to say that if in a Redner universe, we would not be getting review copies anymore. I think that's very fair to say. All right, so what did Redner tweet? 
tweet. Something, uh, uh, yeah. I feel bad. I've got you. I've I've gotten you. Uh, I've knocked you off kilter. You weren't you weren't ready with that. I feel bad. Okay, I've almost got it. I've almost got it. I can say that I think I saw it, and it involved things like using the numeral two for the word to. Here we go. Okay. Um, these are things that Jim Redner tweeted overnight and removed. Mm-hmm. Too many went too far with their reviews. We are reviewing who gets games next time and who doesn't based on today's Venom. Bad scores are fine. Venom-filled reviews, that's completely different. All right. Is your review going to be Venom-filled? I don't know if it's going to be Venom-filled as much as uh, just sad. You know what? That's, <laughs> a, that's a great way to put it. I, uh, I kind of just felt... I, I so wanted to put Duke Nukem Forever just behind me. By the time I was done playing with it, I just wanted to get the review done. I mean, it really was just sad. It wasn't a spectacular failure. There wasn't much notable. I just was so ready to be over the whole sad affair. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I feel the same way. It's uh, everything about the game doesn't work. What's at all. what's one thing that works? Is there one thing? I don't know. Actually, I'm glad I'm not being asked this question. If you were asked, McMaster, <laughs> one thing that works about Duke Nukem Forever, what would be your response? Because surely there's at least one thing that works, yeah? Uh, <laughs> no, actually. I mean, I really can't think of a point in the game that I had a good time. It's bad. It's simply bad. Uh, are you playing on the 360 or the PC, the PS3? The 360. Okay. Uh, I mean, that probably explains some of my issues, uh, because I can imagine the PC has to be at least a bit better with aiming. You know, the, the 360 version, I, I never could get the controls to a point where I wanted to aim, or that I could aim at something well. Right, right. Uh, I, you know what, I think the thing is, people talk about, like, you, you know, you mentioned the aiming. I know people have complained about the new model for uh, health, you know, the regenerating health, the two-weapon limit, for instance. Right. To to me, none of those things matter because there's there there are just so many other problems with the game's sort of underdeveloped state. I couldn't care less about those design issues because there's simply not a game worth caring about design issues there. Uh, no, there really isn't. I, I feel the same way. It's they could have. I don't know. It just feels like they could have done more with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems like if they'd spent more time on the game and tried to like get. I don't know, relevant commentary instead of just like taking a list of movie one-liners from the last 10 years and catchphrases and just randomly having him say them at some point. It just doesn't make any sense. It really does feel dated, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's really dated. So in a way, can't you sympathize with poor Jim Redner? You know, here he is tasked with doing PR, which basically means taking care of uh, the review copies, sending out the, the press releases. You know, he's a he's a one man operation. He's been hired by 2K Games. Uh, so he takes care of all this. And apparently, by all indications, Gearbox, the developer, thought the game was going to be OK. So can you sympathize at all with Redner's situation, or uh, did you just feel like he was completely out of line and should have known better? Uh, No, I actually really do sympathize with him. Um, People get upset and they say stupid things. That's just what happens. And uh, unfortunately, he said it in a very public forum about a very touchy subject with a lot of people. Like, uh, personally, I don't care. If I have to buy a game, I'll go buy it. Uh, I don't want to feel beholden to people. Uh, just for that reason, but it's still something you don't say. Yeah, I, we yeah. we all know it happens. 
we all know what happens, but that doesn't mean you want to, I don't know, it's the elephant in the room. Right. <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I'm torn between understanding and it's it was really unprofessional what he did. You know, I've worked with the guy before. I hate that he lost a big account like that, but you know, when you when you screw up that big, I guess that's what happens. Just just ask uh, Anthony Weiner. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's no doubt that he uh, he, he dug his own grave. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's it. Twitter Twitter has been the undoing of uh, of many a great man. So that's true, Caesar. <laughs> what, what did Caesar tweet? By the et tu brute would have fit in the character limit. <laughs> it really would have. It would have been a twoosh or whatever when you fill out all the characters, but it would have been very small. <laughs> Is that actually there's a word for something when you use all 144 characters? Yeah, I think so. It's like, I don't remember what it is, but it, it was something weird like twooshing or something. Now, uh, Jason McMaster, how can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's just McMaster, which is really unfortunate because everybody that goes to McMaster University shortens McMaster University to at McMaster. So I get constant tweets about, you know, plumbing repairs and seminars. And <laughs> All right. So to follow me on Twitter, you're out of luck because I, I don't do that because I've learned from I, I've seen what happens to Anthony Weiner and Jim Redner and there but for the grace of God go I. So no, no Twitter for me. Because God only knows what sort of trouble I'd be in. So. You don't really like technology anyway. I mean, let's be real. I am using the Internet right now as we speak, Jason McMaster, so I take issue with that. All right, all right. The Internet. <laughs> That's where I draw the line. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I get email. Yeah, so. Okay, my news story, not, not quite as shameful a chapter, although it's gonna, my news story has a little bit of a twist this week. It's going to oh. sound like it's like a, oh, a bad news news story, but then there's going to be a twist, and it's going to be a good news news story. So, so dig this. Uh, there's a game, a racing game called Grid that Codemasters published uh, four, three, four years ago. A very good game. Uh, yeah. It was before Shift came along, and that sort of occupied, you know, Shift is for me the sort of quasi-serious racing game. The, the definitive one of those to play. Uh, before sure. that, people were really into the Forza games. But then Grid came out from Codemasters, very spirited, very lively. It used their little rewind gimmick, great graphics. They did a good job with the physics. So Grid came out for the 360, the PS3, and the PC. So uh, Codemasters has since done some good rally racing games with the Dirt series. Uh, but Grid has sort of persisted. It's got its following. However, uh, late last week, I think, Codemasters said, you know what? We can't support Grid online anymore. If you're playing on the 360, you're fine because uh, Microsoft takes care of all that. We're covered. Unfortunately, if you're playing on the PS3 or the PC, yeah, we're switching it off. No more multiplayer, which really sucks because it's got, you know, it's not a huge game, but I'm sure it's got a following. It's a good, solid game. Uh, people on a PS3, for instance, they buy nice, expensive wheels, and they 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 spend a lot of time with a good game like Grid, a meaty racing game like that. And now suddenly, a huge chunk of it has been removed from the game. So that sucked. That was a very electronic arts kind of thing to do. Uh, those guys routinely turn off their servers, and they're like, no more multiplayer, and they cut you off. So that's not where this story ends, though. This story, McMaster, has a happy ending. Because a fellow named Scott Kevill, who runs a service called Game Ranger, and Game Ranger is, in a way, you can think of it as just, and I'm putting just in air quotes, it's just a multiplayer, 
matching service. You know, you, you have a game. It's like a sort of an alternative to GameSpy. You have a game you're playing, Age of Empires 2, whatever. You're looking for a community of other players. Uh, game Ranger tends to host a lot of people who play RTSs like that. So Scott Kevill has sort of carved out a niche by supporting these orphaned games. So within a, within one day, Kevill announced, hey, you know, if you've got Grid on the PC, guess what? You can still play multiplayer using Game Ranger. Uh, and my cat approves of that, by the way. Absolutely. Scott should be honored. <laughs> he gets the official Shadow Cat endorsement here. Uh, so unfortunately, the PS3 folks, they're out of luck. Uh, but these days they're used to being out of luck. They're they're sort of uh, they they know how that feels. But if you're if you're on the PC, if you're a Grid fan, you can still play online using Game Ranger. Tip of the hat to Scott Kevill for uh, rescuing yet another orphaned game uh, and turning a bummer news story into uh, into good news. So there you go. Do you do you play Grid, McMaster? You know I have, but uh, on 360. Oh, so we're fine. Right, right. Oh yeah, we're cool. We're covered. Right. <laughs> That's what we get, by the way, for paying $60 a year for our online services. Yeah, it actually works. Now, now here's something, though, that bugs me about that story. Uh, it, it, it's, you know, it's pushing this idea. Like, I can't help but think of games as products that I buy and own. Like, if I buy Grid, you know, if I'm paying my 60 or whatever, it's discounted to 20 whatever I'm paying for it, I feel like I should have that game, and part of that game is the multiplayer in perpetuity. And oh, yeah. that, and that's a that's a thing that guys are – I mean, that's, you know, our generation, McMaster. Actually, you're younger than me, but guys who aren't 20, for instance, are okay. used to – yeah, we're, we think of games as products. We buy them, we get them, we own them. But that model is being replaced by this idea of games as a service that you rent. Uh and I don't, I don't know how. I, I'm just having a hard time accepting that. So when something, when EA turns off servers, or when Grid, in this case, they lost, they had to cut it off because they lost the rights to the middleware that supported the multiplayer. Activision bought it, and of course, Activision didn't want to extend it to a competitor. So there's this whole idea that what we were sold in Grid wasn't just a product; it included licensed middleware that when Codemasters loses the rights to it, so do the players to whom they sold the game. And I just hate that model. That bugs me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the same thing with Steel Battalion. Oh, you know? good Lord. Oh, why do you want to bring that? Oh, you're making a... What a <laughs> yeah, tell us what happened there. Go ahead. Bring the room down, McMaster. Go ahead. <laughs> that they released a, uh, a giant multiplayer patch and had a cool world that you could play in, and then they turned off the servers. Uh, and I... I Every now and then I think, I love Capcom, because you and me, McMaster, we are huge Lost Planet fans, for instance. It just makes me want to hug Capcom and give them a big old fat kiss. But I just think back to the Steel Battalion uh, fiasco, and uh, yeah, that's painful, McMaster. Yeah, it really is, Uh, especially if you paid for a Steel Battalion controller. (laughs) What 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 became of yours? Do you still have yours? You know, I actually I think I got rid of it. Uh, I I regret that, but it's not like I'll be using it anytime soon. So. <laughs> it does make a great conversation piece if you like leave it out on the table. Yeah, people are like, "Oh, look, you're a crazy person." Yeah, that's <laughs> that's how that's how I like to start my conversations. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you think? So, this idea though of renting games, like part of why it bothers me, that doesn't really square with any other form of entertainment, though, does it? Like, no, can no. you can you think of an, an analogy to that? Any other form of entertainment? Um, 
like where where you purchase a a contract that allows you to use their software but you don't own it yeah that's that's weird I mean, because I think of like like, like movies. Uh, I mean, the thing is, games to me are content. Like I can understand that with something like Netflix or cable. Those are delivery services. But but I just can't help but think of games as content that should be mine. I get my hands on that. That's mine forever. Well, right. You know, and then and then you see services like OnLive pushes that even further. Yeah, yeah. Do you have OnLive? Have you tried it? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting. Um, it's certainly it's cool technology. And and Steam, but, Steam of course, everybody loves Steam. The same idea yep. there. You, you don't own yeah. what you've got on Steam. I do like Steam quite a bit for the convenience, but yeah, you certainly don't own it. I, and I know I really wasn't very happy with it at first, of course, because they're the first people to do it, and they forced you to have an internet connection to play their games. But they paved the way. Yep, yep. So, all right. So those are our news stories for the week. Let's go to uh, let's go to forum posts. Uh, or threads. What do you have for us as your post of the week, McMaster? I would say that my favorite thread of the week is the League of Legends thread because of all the DreamHack stuff. Um, did you know about that, the League of Legends tournament? You know what? I don't. I'm glad you mentioned this because I have questions for you. But but tell us about that okay. thread. Um, in the thread, well, the League of Legends threads uh, are kind of crazy anyway. It goes from bickering to <laughs> making up to uh, talking about just whatever. And they're also the most, some of the most active threads on the forum, for sure. We, we actually almost- had to close one of them because it got so long that it was, like, causing server strain. Like, uh, yeah. Wow. So, so we had three threads that we essentially had to say, you know, keep talking, guys, but we're going to close this one, start a new thread. I think one of them was Dominions, one of them was League of Legends, one of them was that bargain thread. So, yeah, very active League of Legends thread, all right? Yeah, that actually, I was wondering what happened to that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, it's a very active thread. It's very, it's a very good read, but it's it's almost impossible to keep up with mm-hmm. just because of the speed. But the the big thing that was going on this week is that they had a tournament for League of Legends worth a hundred thousand dollars in Sweden at the DreamHack uh, gaming festival, mm-hmm. and actually a Euro team won. But that was uh, it was kind of fascinating to see esports go to that level. Uh, they had hundreds of, uh, maybe over a hundred thousand viewers at one point. What? For, uh, no way. Yeah, they sh- they streamed uh, the entire tournament um, via uh, own 3D or something like that. But they they streamed it and they've released a new interface, which I you went to, you saw them at E3, right? Yes. Okay, they they have that new interface uh, that you can follow champions around and see all the action, and they premiered that and used it as like a, a broadcasting tool, and they had broadcasters doing commentary, and uh, yeah, all the games are up on the League of Legends tournament side, I believe. Now, okay, now I have a question, McMaster. Let me know. Let me know if you agree with this. StarCraft II makes a great spectator esport. Because matches, some of them can, can draw out, but a match can basically be a nice little self-contained 20-minute experience sure. for, the, for the most part. D- doesn't League of Legends take, like, d- don't all games in League of Legends go for, like, at least an hour? Or is that just my level of play where I'm piddling around with it? Like, isn't it a commitment to sit down and watch a, 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 a game of League of Legends? Well, you know, it kind of depends. I've had games that have lasted 
15 minutes, and I've had games that have lasted an hour and a half, you know, mm-hmm. and I would say, yeah, a fair median would be 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a fair commitment, but it's also an interesting enough game, at least to me, that there's enough strategy involved, uh, it, even more so, in my opinion, than StarCraft II, of course, uh, where you have so many different summoners with so many different abilities and uh, different metagames that it it can it suits itself well to uh, to being broadcast. It's it's interesting how that works out. Because it it seems to me though also like so much of what's going on in League of Legends is a bunch of. Um is kind of like under the hood stuff, like like character builds. Like like when you see a strategy in StarCraft, there's always some on-screen representation for what the guy is doing. You, you know, right. a Zerg rush looks very different from the Terrans hunkering down, which looks very different from like uh, a bunch of void rays from the Protoss. Like there's always a visual representation. There's always spectacle in StarCraft 2, and I don't feel that's the case with League of Legends, and that's not a slight against League of Legends, so much as I think an obstacle to it being uh, a more widely palatable eSport, as widely palatable as as it could be, I think. I I think that's just a a problem they have to overcome, is the match length and how much is going on under the hood. Uh, Well, sure, yeah. I mean, they've made a lot of updates to the game to kind of represent more of what's going on with different auras or different sprites, you know, mm-hmm. different little things that, you know, show that characters have certain items or that sort of thing. But right, yeah, your character build is all off-screen, and so are your masteries and your runes and everything. So you, they, they kind of take a little bit of that uh, with the... Um, with a new spectator mode, because you can see everybody's items, you can see everybody's gold and how many monsters they've killed and all that stuff on the screen. Okay. So it does give it a little bit more information. But yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I, right. I think that's fair. That, uh, it, it's not as, yeah, it's not as online representative, representative as StarCraft Two. It's, sure. it's it's not as sexy as StarCraft Two. How about that? Well, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, so you say a European team won? Now that's that's awfully broad, McMaster. Europe is not a country. Can you be more specific? Yeah, it's actually I believe it was um, Team MSI, but they're from all uh, yeah Team Fanatic MSI, but they're all over uh, the you know from Canada to US to Europe. So I, you know, there are certain teams that are very much United States teams, and there are certain okay. teams like, yeah. But this uh, I want to say. That it's from Sweden to Switzerland, somewhere around in there. Uh, and that's another thing I've wondered too. So, because it's such a, a relentlessly team-based game, can personalities emerge? Like, does oh, this okay. team have a spokesman or a leader? Is there a frontman who is like the more vocal one? Like, do, do you get that in the esports aspect of League of Legends? Actually, uh, yeah, there are a few people that are becoming more famous in the League of Legends circles. Uh, one of the Amer- or several American players, one in particular is this, uh, he plays for Team CLG. Um, his name, or his screen name is Hotshot. And, uh, they have what, have you seen live streams or anything like that? It's, uh, it's like they, some of these guys get paid to play mm-hmm. and broadcast their games. Mm-hmm. So that's basically all they do, and he's one of those guys. So if someone wanted to check out a, a good sort of uh, a broad, a replay of a League of Legends game, would you recommend seeking out 
hot shots from team what would you uh, say CGL or all right, you can go to I believe it is yeah it's CLG mm-hmm. uh, or clgaming.net and uh, if you look under media and live streams uh, hot shot is on there there's several guys that are really good to play at a, on a regular basis on there all right so that's your your thread of the week um, yes is anybody being particularly mean in that thread right now? How's it going? Is it, oh, is it, it settled it's, down? It's a sissy slap fight at all points. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, I just jump in and say something, and then you know we slap somebody, and somebody slaps back. It, it's all good natured for the most part. <laughs> it's, it gets awfully rambunctious in there. It's like uh, oh, it does. <laughs> I, you have to bang on the ceiling with a broom on occasion. I'm the guy who does that. I'm like you kids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so that's your thread of the week. My thread of the week is a lot more tame. It's it's downright civilized. It's diplomatic, even. Uh, oh. It's uh it, it's not it, it's not nearly as rambunctious as yours. Uh, I love it when developers come on and talk about their games. Like that's so cool. And it's one thing when a developer mentions a game, but when they're interactive like this, I just love these threads. So Derek Paxton, who posts as Kale Kyle, I, I don't know how to say his like goofy online persona name. It's K A E L. Uh, he he just started a Fallen Enchantress thread. And as many of us know, uh, Elemental, the game from Stardock, was a little underwhelming. So part of what Stardock CEO Brad Wardell did for damage control is he's like, okay, I'm going to hire folks that everybody's heard of, and I'm going to put them to work on this game to do a new iteration of it. So he hired John Schaefer, the lead designer of Civ Five, and Derek Paxton, who is responsible for an awesome, 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 amazing mod called Fall from Heaven for Civ Four. Brad Wardell hired both of them, put them to work. Uh, and Derek Paxton is in charge of what's called Fallen Enchantress, which is a standalone game built from the ground up using sort of uh, Elemental as an engine. Uh, it'll be free to people who've purchased Elemental, who might have felt like they got burned, sort of a I'm sorry from Stardock, uh, an, an attempt for them to make good. And uh, Derek has been posting some dev journals on Stardock's site, that Stardock is pretty good about doing that, but he was also kind enough to set up a little thread for us on quarter to three called Fallen Enchantress. Uh, it starts, you know, he's got a big old screenshot up there. He talks a bit about some of what he wants to do, some of what he's changing. Uh, you know, they're redoing the tactical combat from the ground up. They're getting rid of uh, the dynasties, which is a feature that was kind of added at the last minute because someone thought, hey, that would be cool, even though it doesn't really have any gameplay implications uh derek's completely rebuilt the game with gameplay design and sort of the forefront of, of why something should be in there why it shouldn't uh so it's encouraging to see that uh however someone in the thread and i want to make sure this person gets credit effectively ruined one of the heroes so the screenshots shows this big old like uh <laughs> yeah. like a, yeah, it's like a it's like a earth golem or a dirt golem. Yeah. I don't know, rock golem, whatever. It's like a lava golem. You think, yeah, that looks pretty badass. Yeah, but, he looks cool, yeah. Yeah, but but he's got you know, and he's got a lava core. You know, like a, a any sort of earth golem would have a little lava to him, a little bit of fire, something to power his belly. Uh, unfortunately, it's shining through a, a triangle right at about crotch level. So uh, <laughs> Aeon two twenty one uh, went ahead and pointed out that it looks like a Flaming cooch. I forget what. You know what? He just said flaming vagina. I think we can say yeah. that on this podcast. That's that's allowed. Uh, yeah, I think that's. Yeah, that's, that'll pass the censors. Um, 
And now I can't. That, they just ruined that guy for me. I, my eye is now drawn to the little glowing crotch level triangle, and I effectively the, that hero is now a clown, as far as I'm concerned. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I can, I can, I can hear that. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks, Aeon221, for uh, ruining. You know, Derek has done great work with uh, with a team doing like hero and creature design in Fall from Heaven. So I'm sure they were very proud of this this lava golem thing. And uh, now it will forever be known as the Flaming Vagina Monster. So yeah, I mean, sometimes you win, or sometimes you eat the bear. Sometimes <laughs> the bear eats you. Very well put. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's now do uh, our games of the week. All right. Jason Q. McMaster, what is your choice for game of the week this week? Well, because... Can I make I, a, I'll admit. Can I make a I'll prediction real quick? I want to make a prediction. All right. I predict it is not Duke Nukem Forever. You are correct. Yes. Um, now, I'll admit, I haven't spent much time with this game yet because I had to work on Duke and I've been at work. But I'm really liking Shadows of the Dam so far. God, I kind of don't want you to tell me that because I don't have it yet, and I really, I was, I was kind of hoping it would be awful and that I could skip it. And it sounds like you're not going to encourage that that approach. No, uh, it's well, I'll say it's one million percent suit of fifty one. Oh, <laughs> don't tell me that. That's all I need to hear. Wow. Okay, so well, explain to people what it is. All right. So the Shadows of the Damned places you in the role of Hotspur, who is a Hispanic demon hunter with a talking gun named Johnson. And the gun can also turn into staffs and motorcycles, crazy stuff. It's a demon. Um, So you're out killing a demon. When you get home, your girlfriend's being maligned by all sorts of demons, and then she's taken to hell or wherever demons go. Uh, to be raped for eternity or something. Uh, I, I think that was the, the sh- long and the short of it. So, of course, being a badass uh, Hispanic demon hunter, you jump through the portal to hell after him. And, uh, yeah. So, so it, it's a shooter then? Yeah, it, it, it's so weird because you have, it, it's, it's designed by people that did Resident Evil you know, as well as No More Heroes and, you know, Killer7 and all that. So, like, it has it has w- weird controls, but they're not like Resident Evil. Like, it is, it's a shooter, but it's like almost like a brawler shooter. Mm-hmm. It, it reminds, it's like Devil May Cry minus the, the sword play. Yeah, or not even that ridiculous, I mean, of course. But, like, you're, you're shooting, your controls are like, uh, like, Resident Evil, except not terrible. So is it yeah, like uh, where, where you have to, when you shoot, you have to stop? It's not this, the typical, like, moving a cursor around running gun thing? No, it's a, uh, I believe you can strafe and shoot, but it's certainly not a, a first-person shooter kind of running gun. Thing. Oh, and it is, is it third-person also? I was just assuming that when you say shooter, it's first-person. It's you, Do you always see the Garcia fellow there? Uh, man, I'm trying to remember. Wow. Ah, it's gotten so much into your head that you don't know. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel really good about myself. No, um, it's a, it's a. I've, I'm thinking it is third person. But uh, give us I'll an probably... ex- give us an example of something early on that, like you said, it's very Suda Fifty One. Suda Fifty One tends to mean like weird, <laughs> crazy, over the top. Give us an example early on of something that's like. That where you know you're in a Suda 51 game. Can you can you think of something uh, like that? 
the talking skull demon guy tells you that demons are buttholes. <laughs> and that, I, I was like, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> now, is he using that as a metaphor, as an insult? Is he using it literally? I think he's he's using it as a as kind of a, a metaphor because they or, or an insult they they're all they're all douches. It's okay. kind of the idea that I believe he's trying to <laughs> put forth, but uh, because he doesn't want to go back to hell, and you're you're going to make him basically. And he's like, well, you know, demons are buttholes. So I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, and this is a game where you know they have no problem cursing. So the demons are buttholes really amuse me for some reason. You know, i got to say, I've been playing a lot of, uh, well, I don't want to spoil what my game of the week is, but in the game I'm playing, there's a fair amount of cursing, and it's your typical F-bombs, S-bombs. It's like, it's like military cursing. So I love it when uh, an M-rated game goes with like a, a child, <laughs> so that, that sort of childlike cursing. Like nobody calls anybody a butthole in earnest. It's like a joke. No. That's something kids say on playgrounds. So I yes. love the twist there. Let's let's hardcore M-rated game and the insult butthole. That's very nice. And it's like you know the whole thing is graphically the game is really attractive, but it has really disturbing imagery. You know, like you get home and your girlfriend is hanging by a noose, and then like her back unzips and a demon kind of slides out of her and stuff. It's like it's real creepy. <laughs> but at now, the same time, that's got butthole to just <laughs> juxtaposition there. And now, you, so you are liking like the gameplay. Like, does it does it seem like it's got legs gameplay wise? Oh sure, yeah. It's uh, like I said, I haven't spent a ton of time with it yet, but I am uh, enjoying it so far. It, it's you know, it's a game where you kill a bunch of stuff, then you move forward. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's you now pretty standard game type. But the, the personality and just uh, I don't know, the, the way the game feels, uh, I mean, Suda51 could sell me a game off of personality just like Tim Schafer can. Right, right. I mean, that, that's, you know, I don't care how terrible the game would actually be, you know, in reality, I would buy it because it's them. Now, I'm not saying this is bad, but, uh, yeah, it's certainly, that's the biggest appeal to me. Does it seem to have any, is it a playthrough once and you're done? Does it have any uh, replay value or is there any exploration or collectible stuff that would that would maybe encourage playing again? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. It might be okay. a playthrough once. Uh, I haven't seen anything super collectible yet. So. And you're on the 360? Yes. So there's achievements. So there you go. There's that. Well, there are. There's the Chivos, uh, in as, the t- as the kids call them. In the, the Chivos, right. In the time you've played Jason L. McMaster, how many gamer score points have you earned on it so far? Do you know? I do not know. All right. Can you? Would you yeah. say it's being generous or stingy with the with the Chivos? Uh, it seems generous. Okay. Uh, you know <laughs> that that seems to be the new trend anyway. Though they they just give you a ton of achievements. For nothing, yeah, or for little things like Duke Nukem, of course. You know, actually, you get an achievement for turning Shadows of the Damned on. I believe. <laughs> I like that. I think I could get that one. Uh, good. All right. So, uh, Shadows of the Damned. Uh, now, I know that a lot of folks. I say a lot of folks. Uh, a few folks with whom I share emails were turned off by some of the marketing EA was doing, uh, which seemed to be pushing this idea of the gun being called a Johnson and dick jokes. Uh, and it oh, seems like so classic EA. <laughs> exactly. Like, is that? Do you think that's like EA screwing it up, or is does it have that tone? Like, you feel that's a drawback in the game? You mentioned the butthole thing. That's funny. 
Are there a bunch of Duke Nukem style juvenile dick jokes? Sounds like it no. worked. Okay, right. No, honestly, no. And it's in the thread on quarter to three, somebody mentioned something from where uh, one of the reviewers of the game had said that there's a part that made him a little creeped out because Johnson, the gun thing, talks about like uh, having sex with people's eye sockets or something. And uh, I was like, well, that's uh, that's more David Cronenberg or you know Bill Burroughs than I would say you would see a Duke Nukem. Absolutely, yeah. And that's how a demon would really talk. I uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, the game is uh, yeah. It, well, the interactions between the two are. They're, they're funny. They're entertaining. He reminds me of the skull from, uh, you know, Planescape Torment. I mean, that's kind of like the vibe you almost get. Like, right. like a guide that's also just kind of crazy, entertaining. Damn, so, I, I really didn't want to hear that. I wanted to be able to skip this <laughs> one. All right, well, I'm going to also throw one at you that I think most people thought they could skip. Uh, I posted a little something about it on the front page, but uh, I just want to reiterate, I've, I've just finished the single player for the first playthrough. This is built for two playthroughs. Uh, man, yeah. Fear 3 is good. I can't believe it. Yeah. Uh, I actually uh, am thinking about trying it. I have a f- one free game on OnLive. I'm thinking about getting Fear 3 with it. <laughs> well, now you're not going to be getting many of your Chivos there. Oh, yeah. How about that? No so, Chivos. so here's here's my deal with Fear 3. Uh, I'll have a review uh, next week on on uh, Games uh, Game Shark, um, yeah, the Shark. Uh, I, I Fear 3. So the, the first thing I want to I want to mention three things that they did. Um, to basically make Fear 3 a good game, which I did not think was going to happen. I swear to God, McMaster, this showed up. Bill asked, do you want to review it? I'm always up for reviewing, you know, sh- throwaway shooter, whatever. I'm cool with that. Sure. Yeah. So it showed up, and I put it in, thinking, oh, God, I might as well get started on this. And having just come off of freaking Duke Nukem Forever, I was like, oh, this is going to kill me for shooters. So I don't know if maybe that <laughs> colored my experience is having played something so terrible. But I was, I was expecting nothing from Fear 3. Well, yeah, I, I honestly wasn't either. <laughs> and even so, like, yeah, even from like reading the press releases and the bullet points they were making, you know, the, it includes your like ghostly brother character. Like nobody cares about the plot of the Fear Games, I don't think. And they seem to be pushing some of that. So, so it shows up, and I put it in, and I, I could not believe. First of all, one of the first things they make it clear that they're doing is they're focusing on the gunplay. You know, the previous fears were always like, hey, we're going to be a horror game, and we're going to creep you out with these little startle things, like Dead Space kind of gimmicks, where something jumps out at you. Oh, the, guy, yeah. the guy's doing Fear 3, they're like, you know what? No, there's a couple of those, but it's like, this is about shooting. This is a shooter. First and foremost, we're focusing on gunplay. And Fear has actually been pretty good with gunplay. You know, it's some of the incomprehensible story stuff and the scare gimmicks that kind of get in the way of that. So these guys are like, you know what, incomprehensible comprehensible story we're going to streamline it it's pretty simple and we're not going to throw a bunch of cat scares at you so so right away off the bat they have a solid idea for how to approach the design and and what's more every level can be played co-op but unlike many co-op games you don't just have another dude with a gun next to you there's this a gameplay asymmetry where one character is the marine military dude and the other character is a ghost who can possess different characters, who can levitate people. Uh, he, he has special powers. It's like a whole different type of gameplay. That's um, pretty awesome. And and the thing is, if you play a level, you then unlock going back to play through the level again as the ghost character. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So each level is built to be played twice because 
One of the other things they do is uh, they set up each level as a scoring challenge, very much like the club, uh, which is a, a game. Oh, yeah. and a brawler it, game, yeah. It, well, uh, you, you say it's a brawler, but it was like a shooter uh, well, built as a, with, as a scoring challenge. Bizarre Creations did it. Sega published it. I think it had a hard time finding an audience because who wants to play a corridor shooter, which unfolds the same way every time, just for just for points and and but I think some of us really appreciated that Bulletstorm tried to do something similar and I think they really failed on the gunplay and the humor element. Um, well, you know, I I kind of liked Bulletstorm, but I I liked how over the top it was. Uh, it was just like it it went past immaturity, right? <laughs> you know? And and that entertained me, whereas just Duke Nukem failed completely in the exact same vein. I think I think though, like, uh, and I apologize if there's any. With delicate sensibilities, listening, they get a lot of mileage for coming up with stuff like dick tips. I don't know what that means, but that's inherently yeah. it's inherently funny. I, I will give them that. Uh, well, yeah, it's just like oh, it, they had to have had a formula. It's like let's take one cuss word and attach it to the other, and that's our game. Right, random cuss word generator. They, uh, yeah. so somebody programmed that. They had one of the programmers at Epic or People Can Fly rig that up, and yeah. Uh, but but anyway, so as a scoring challenge, though, I never really got into. Uh, Bulletstorm because it was all this like environmental stuff that felt canned and it wasn't. It, I guess there were the skill shots. I don't know, but yeah, I played it a bit. It just wasn't. Uh, it certainly didn't hold up <laughs> after right. finishing the game. Because that's the thing is they wanted you to then play through the levels as like standalone challenges. And I, you know, playing through them once was plenty for me. So, so what they do in Fear is you play through them once, you can increase your score, but you can also play through it as the Ghost Brother. With a completely different play style. So so in addition to focusing on the gunplay, that's the first thing they did. They set up the levels as these challenges. Uh, the third thing that they really do is they give you this uh, Lost Planet 2 sense of persistence and unlockable. Uh, whenever you play, you're earning... I think they call them. I don't think they call them experience points, but your your score goes into a pool and you level up and you unlock new... They're, they're not ability. Well, they are in some cases abilities, but perks like you can carry an extra grenade or you can, you can carry a couple of extra clips of ammo or your health goes up 10 percent or your slow mo meter. Because that's the, the twist for the gun guy yeah. is he can put everything in bullet time. You know, you get longer slow motion. Uh, that's one thing I really liked about that. I did like about the original fear game the, the it was it had some great explosion effects and it had, it had some good gunplay. There just was a whole lot of that, you know, ooga booga. In right. It, you know. <laughs> And the, and the gunplay was based like it for it's kind of a cool idea. If you've got cool gunplay, let the player use slow motion to kind of admire it. You, you know, when you're just shooting dudes at full speed and they fly away, that's one thing. But when you can slow it down and pinpoint a headshot, you know, and watch the ragdoll physics, that's kind of that's gameplay as well as additional spectacle. Uh, so so what happens here is as you're playing, you're getting experience, you're, you're getting new abilities. The new abilities sort of subtly let you get more points to encourage you now that you've got extra slow mo time for instance to go back through a level and focus in on that challenge because each it's sort of like each time you play a level it gives you a rack of challenges and you can focus on some of them all of them none of them you can go for a speed run because there's points there and you can just try different approaches different weapons um to to increase your score on each level so those three things focus on gunplay 
make each level uh, a score-based challenge, and then give it this longer-term persistence and unlockables. I think those three things right there make it a really, really good shooter. That's the same thing I loved about Resident Evil 5. Is the the sort of RPG aspect with all the weapons yeah. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, taking it back, uh, going back through the game repeatedly with different weapons, and yeah, yeah. we 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 love us some Capcom, don't we, McMaster? Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty shameless. That's all right. <laughs> uh, so, and then finally, one one last thing that's kind of like because it's a short. There's only like six mission. There's like six levels, and then a, maybe it's seven levels. The final level is this really stupid. Like story based, where they put all the story stuff. You, it's, you can just skip it if you want. But but the multiplayer, holy cats! I did not expect this. So multiplayer in Fear Three, it's limited to four players. So I'm immediately like, oh, what? What are they doing there? But it is weird. But it's because they only support. There's no generic deathmatch. You know, if you want to play deathmatch, there's a million and six games for you to play. So sure. what they're giving you is four really cool, unique modes that you play instead of deathmatch. The first mode, it's like Nazi zombie mode, where you're barricading yourself, and then dudes spawn, and they come in, and they attack you. Now here, instead of earning money for headshots or whatever that you use to buy guns, between waves, or even during waves if you're brave, outside of the little barricaded area, you run out and you pick up these crates of supplies, and you bring them back to the base. And when you drop it in the base, it then puts a few additional weapons that you have to share with the other dudes. So it's sort of like, you know, there's this hunker down and defend yourself, and then between waves, go out and get better weapons so you can hunker down and defend yourself better. Uh, it's a really cool, clever idea for the Nazi zombie variation. There's, bar- there's, there's windows that the dudes will tear down and try to break into, and you barricade them. Uh, so I like that. There's that mode for multiplayer. There's something called uh, Soul King, where everybody's a ghost, and there's a, a level populated with with uh, AI soldiers, and you have to control them, jump into different bodies to score points. So that's kind of more like conventional deathmatch. Yeah, that's uh, pretty. I like that. And, and because like you can jump into a melee, dude. W- different guys have different weapons. You can sort of flank someone by jumping into a dude over there. Uh, it it offers some different possibilities than what we normally get in deathmatch games. Uh, Fascinating. Now, did you play Aliens vs Predator? Uh, very little. So that had some cool modes where, like, there is everybody spawns as a marine, and there's one alien. And if the alien kills a marine, that marine respawns as an alien. Like Halo Zombie. You know what? Exactly. It's exactly yeah. like that, McMaster. Uh, so they have a similar mode here called Soul Survivor, and Soul is S O U L Survivor. Get it? Ah, uh, uh, yeah, I get it. Where everybody's a marine and one of the dudes of the four is a ghost. And I think, I haven't tried it yet, but I think the idea is that if the ghost kills one of the marines, he comes back as a ghost. Eventually, the last surviving marine is trying to stay alive while the ghosts are tracking him down. Uh, but then the last mode, okay, I'm curious how you feel about this, McMaster. The last mode is called, and I don't know how to pronounce this, so I'll just try this. It's called F asterisk asterisk K I N G run. <laughs> so it's uh, Left 4 Dead? <laughs> well, it's like, you know what? It's kind of like Left 4 Dead. What, what happens is, so I don't know, I guess they couldn't use the word fucking because... That would probably be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> and I don't, I don't know why, like, if you can't use the word, then don't call your mode that. If you're going to yeah. call your mode that, go ahead and use the word. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it's just, it's like... It's a F- mature game. Exactly, uh, right, right. 
and and you know like, the thing is they're going to mention this mode in like press releases and in coverage so i guess they didn't want to use it but you know what don't call your mode that if you're not going to commit and and always call it that just just call it you know get out of i think it should be called get out of there so what yeah. happens in this mode is you spawn at the beginning of a of a long linear level populated with bad guys and there's a they call it the wall of death and it's just a big wall of smoke with scary faces in it and it's constantly moving forward so you and the other players have to get to the end before the wall catches up with you. And if anybody, if any one person falls behind into the wall of smoke, it's over for everyone. So as you're running forward shooting dudes and they're shooting back at you, every now and then someone will get incapacitated and you have to resurrect that person because if the wall gets them, it's, it's level over. Uh, so good multiplayer modes. I'm really digging what I've tried. Uh, and yeah, that's my, my game of the week, Fear 3. Against All Odds turned out to be a, a really good game, and I can't believe it. Oh, you make me want to go play it now. No, you stick with your little Shadows of the Damned and your little butthole references. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do. I will be picking that up this week. I cannot wait to try it. I mean, it, you know, Suda51, whatever. That's, that's all I needed to know. It, like you said, even bad Suda51 is worth playing. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, they, <laughs> I, the first time I ever played you know, No More Heroes... That was that was it for me. I I, I missed Killer Seven the first time around, though everybody talked about it constantly. And then I tried No More Heroes, and I was hooked. I would say if if it wasn't a PS2 game, I I would venture a guess that that Killer Seven holds up. But I can't imagine that. I mean, who can run PS2 games these days? Can you? Yeah, I can on the uh, yeah my I have the old PS3. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you know what? I do too. Come to think of it, I I could play Killer Seven as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're cool. Uh, McMaster, what do you have? What do you have to plug coming up? I know you've got at least one review you're working on. Uh, yes, I will be redoing, review, redoing, reviewing Duke Nukem Forever for Game Shark, which should be soon. And uh, I think that's it for my immediate future. I'm going to play Trenched and League of Legends quite a bit. Mm-hmm. What do you? Can you spoil for us what grade you're giving? You know what? I actually don't spoil it. <laughs> No, you don't want to know. <laughs> I don't think they've made the letter yet. <laughs> I, I really don't know how to score it, honestly. I really don't. Uh, it, Come on, really? I mean, I, it's like I can give it the lowest score ever, but it it won't make it any worse or better. You know? <laughs> no, I, I, I mentioned in my review, and I, I, I wasn't being that facetious. I mean, I, I really think that... When you play a game like Duke Nukem Forever, that's what the bottom level of a score is for. I mean, if, if that game yeah. does not score the low, and you know, I say that, but then I didn't even give it the lowest score, so what do I know? <laughs> but I, I really, to say. And I really do feel like a, a game like that, unless you did enjoy it for whatever reason, you can articulate like why you liked it. That's fair, but but I I think that's the kind of game that really flexes the the lower end of of what a ratings scale should be. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, and especially for people who uh, play a lot of shooters, which you and I both do. Exactly, right. It's, it's just, you know, it's easily the worst thing to come down the pipe in years. And not, and yeah, not in that bad, you got to see this way, just in a, it just made me sad. It really was a weirdly depressing experience. So that's another yeah. reason I was so glad to, to play Fear. Uh, yeah. It's completely, completely worse than any indie shooter I've played. Yeah. You know, actually, I'm remembering, McMaster, I went out there to 3D Realms maybe, gosh, I don't know, six, seven years ago or whatever for Computer Games Magazine. We were, they were doing a cover story for Prey. 
So they sent me out there. Uh, the developer of Prey from from Human Head was at the 3D Realms offices, and they showed me Prey. It hadn't come out yet. And uh, Steve Bauman, the editor, talked them into showing me a little bit of, of Duke Nukem Forever when it was in development <laughs> there. So we, we got a sidebar. I was one of the only people to sort of be able to see it and, and write about it. And some of the stuff that they showed me was pretty much exactly what it ended up in the game. I don't know how, much, how many assets Gearbox was using, but I remember seeing that, that truck driving stuff. Uh, you know, oh, yeah. driving the truck. Uh, I remember seeing the the Duke Nukem base, like that early. I guess it's like a, a game within a game conceit that they do. I remember seeing some of that stuff. Uh, I think, yeah. So I, I I remember playing it. Parts of that, I was like, oh god, I saw this six years ago, and it pretty much looked exactly like this. Oh no, they they had to have just taken it, given it to whomever they farmed that crap out to. Had yeah. them put it together and work, and yeah. that is it. I mean, they really. I mean, even the voice acting is bad. Yeah. I mean, even John, who's it? John St. John. Even his voice. I mean, he isn't even into it. He <laughs> sounds. He sounds really tired. Like he's he's really <laughs> ready to go home. Yeah. yeah I don't want to get some anymore. I think <laughs> is what that says. I've got some. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, nice. All right, well, McMaster, so you got. We'll, we'll look forward to your review. Can't wait to see what grade you give it. Uh, oh, yes. Now you know those Game Shark folks; they don't do the one to ten scale. No, I'll have to give it an F minus minus. <laughs> I don't think there. You can tag two minuses onto it. I'm sorry. I want to. I want. Uh, so let's see. So plugging uh, my stuff, I should have. Or I've got a review for Dungeon Siege, which will be up uh, the night after this, the day after this uh, post. Also, I didn't care for Dungeon Siege. Have you played that? No, a friend of mine's playing it and said, uh, nope. Yep. So I, I just passed it up. Very skip-worthy. Uh, my Fear 3 review will be up next week. Uh, also this week, I am going out uh, to see Guild Wars 2. Uh, oh, I'm interested in that, actually. Yeah, I'm so interested in that. So I'll have coverage of that uh, posted on GamePro, and I'll link to it from quarter to three. Uh, on quarter to three, uh, we are just closing out uh, Peter Ginsburg's uh, great StarCraft II diaries, and I'm trying to talk him into I don't know if he's up for it, but uh, Peter gets serious about playing on ladders, and I'm hoping that he will check in with us like once a week or so, let us know how his ladder is going. So even though we're, we're closing out that game diary, uh, I think Peter will be back to talk about it. Uh, Jason Cross is about to start a game diary on... I'm going to screw up the name. Ter- Terraria? Terraria? Ter- What's that Minecraft? I think, I think it's Terraria. Terraria, right, right. It's that. I, I think. I don't know. It's a, it's a 2D counterpart to Minecraft. Uh, and from reading Jason's first few entries, I'm like, wow, this looks really cool. So Jason will be telling us about that. Uh, we will also have a uh, game diary coming up for uh, – it, it's presumably about the new Magic the Gathering that's available on Xbox Live Arcade, oh, Steam. Planeswalker. Yep. yep. Yeah. But our writer, and uh, you'll get to meet him when they start, I don't want to spoil it, but he also is really into CCGs. So I think he's also going to use the Game Diaries to talk a bit about that whole CCG phenomenon. It's, uh, it's Gary Gygax's ghost. What's Gary Gygax's ghost? The new writer. Ah, you spoiled it! <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I just, I've been so excited. That would be quite a coup. We should see if we can yeah. get them. I don't, I don't know if he's busy with something else or... <laughs> yeah, running D&D in the afterlife. Yeah. So, uh, and McMaster, you and I will be back next week with uh, another news story of the week, post of the week, and, and uh, game of the week. Yes, we'll, we'll try to step it up this time. Uh, and by the way, so that music, uh, I guess you did not see Fast Five, is that correct? That is correct. Because uh, if you saw Fast Five, McMaster, you would know this song here. Yeah.